Hello and welcome to Goodnight Moose, where you can tune in for a light morning start, an afternoon nap, or even a nice cozy in for the night with a bit of story time. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to continue with our chapter book series, The Lost Fairy Tales by Anna James, and today we're going to be reading chapter 14. Let's settle in, breathe deep, and dive into our story. Chapter 14 Prince Charming at Your Service Tilly looked at the dead wolf on the ground, feeling a little nauseous. Thank you, she said nervously, but... But there's someone else who calls herself Red inside that house Oscar took over. Is that where you live too? Ugh, no, the other Red said, rolling her eyes. I cannot stand that girl. Empty-headed child, always getting herself into trouble. No sense of self-preservation at all. But you can't both be Little Red Riding Hood, Oscar said. Excuse me, I'll ask you not to call me that, this Red said, staring daggers at Oscar. A childhood nickname I'd rather leave behind. Yep, of course, sorry, Oscar said, eyeing the axe. My mistake. Anyway, if you two can take it from here, I'll be on my way, Red said. There's a local woodcutter I'm teaching some axe skills to. Don't want to be late. And with that, she pulled her hood up over her hair and stalked away into the forest. That was very strange, Oscar said, watching her go. It's what Grandma and Granddad were talking about, though, isn't it? Tilia said. Fairy tales going wonky. Characters being in the wrong place. We need to get back to the fairy cabinet before anything weirder happens. We should be glad we haven't stumbled across anything worse. Agreed, Oscar said, opening the book up and beginning to read. Moments later, they found themselves standing off to one side of a very sorry-looking cottage with weather-beaten walls and several holes in its thatched roof. Okay, well, this isn't the bookshop, Tilly said. What did you do? I just read the last line of the story, Oscar said, showing Tilly the page. Oh, but that's just the last line of Red Riding Hood's story, she said, pointing. So I guess we're now at the start of the next story, which is... She turned the page to look for the title, but Oscar was already speaking. Jack and the Beanstalk, he said. Yes, how did you know, Tilly asked, looking up to see him pointing beyond the cottage. Behind it was one of the most bizarre things Tilly had ever seen, even in Wonderland. A huge green plant had sprung up so quickly that it had ruptured the ground around it. Cracks and huge furrows stretched out for meters and meters from the base, uprooting other trees and plants and knocking over hedges and fences. The beanstalk was as thick as a London bus, standing on one end, and was an unnaturally bright green, as though it had been colored in with wax crayons by a child. Even stranger than all of that was how it looked as though it had grown in a way that made it designed to be climbed. A rough pattern spiraled around the stalk like a staircase, and branches grew out of it at regular intervals, forming themselves into a makeshift set of railings and handholds. For a few moments, Tilly and Oscar simply stood and stared up at it, but their concentration was abruptly broken by a cacophony of curses and shouts of pain. 
Suddenly, a boy slid down the final few meters of stalk steps, bounced through the lower branches, and landed at the bottom of the beanstalk in an ungraceful heap. Should we go and help him? Oscar whispered. That must be Jack, right? I guess so, Tilly said. He's a goodie, isn't he? So it can't do any harm. They walked toward him and heard a squawk emanate from under him. Just as he noticed them approaching, he waved merrily and rolled over to reveal a disgruntled-looking hen, half-squashed underneath him. It's really hard to climb down a giant beanstalk while carrying a hen, he said, picking a stray feather off his pants. She seems all right, though. The hen regarded him and let out an unimpressed cluck. I'm Jack, he said, sticking out a slightly dirty-looking hand. Tilly, Tilly said, shaking it. I'm Oscar, Oscar said, and you're Jack, Jack and the Beanstalk. Well, my name is Jack, and I did grow this beanstalk, I'll bet accidentally. So yes, I suppose so, Jack said. It's quite catchy, that, isn't it? Jack and the Beanstalk. He swooped an open palm through the sky, as if imagining his name in lights. Are you guys hungry? Jack asked. Do you want to come in for... Well, I'm not sure what we've got. It might just be water, but you're very welcome to share. I need to tell my mother what I found. It's going to make us a fortune. He held up the bedraggled hen. Her eggs are going to make me rich. Are eggs especially expensive here? Oscar said, confused. Her eggs will be, Jack said smugly, until he finally figured it out. Oh, of course, she said. You stole the hen from the giant at the top of the beanstalk. Hey, how do you know about that? Jack said, looking nervously up at the beanstalk, which disappeared into the clouds. Just a hunch, Tilly tried to cover. I'd heard there were giants around here who had, you know, magical stuff. Jack gave her an appraising look. Well, don't tell anyone, he said. Otherwise, everyone will be trying to get their hands on a hen like this. Anyway, are you coming? My ma'am's face is going to be a picture when she hears. Tilly and Oscar exchanged a look. You can't do any harm now we're here, Oscar whispered. Then I'm starving. We'll just have a quick snack and then head back. Fine, Tilly said, and they followed Jack toward the cottage. The door of the cottage looked like it had been blue at some point, but the paint had nearly all peeled off and the whole door was hanging from one hinge. It's not much, but it's home, Jack said, pushing the door open. They followed him into a very dim, dank room with an empty fireplace against one wall. There was barely any furniture, but sitting at a rough wooden table was a woman who looked impatiently at Jack. Where have you been? she demanded. And who are these children you've brought back with you? You know we don't have anything to feed them with. I hope you're not here begging, she said, narrowing her eyes at Tilly and Oscar. And we've not got anything to steal, if that's what you're thinking. They're friends, ma'am, Jack said. And wait until you see what I've brought home. It's going to turn our fortunes right around. His mother did not look convinced. I've not much faith in your schemes, son, she said, before turning to the others. You see that monstrosity sitting out there in our back garden? It's quite hard to miss, Tilly said. Exactly, his mother said. And do you know where this beanstalk came from? I'll tell you. She went on, not pausing to let them answer. 
Yesterday, after eating the last scraps of stale bread for our breakfast, I realized the time had finally come. If we had any hope of making it through another winter, the only thing to do was to send Jack off to market with our cow. Our only cow. You might even say our beloved cow. Oh, come off it, ma'am, Jack said. You hated the sight of her. She may have been a grumpy old thing, but she gave us milk, didn't she? She said. And I wouldn't have parted with her if we hadn't been so desperate. Anyway, this one, she continued nodding at Jack, takes her down to the market bright and early, and I say to him, make sure you get a good price. Don't let no one take advantage of you and your soft-heartedness. So off he went, and before he'd even had time to get to the market, he was back here, no cow in sight. But do you know what he did have? Not coins, oh no. He had beans. Beans! The boy had traded our last chance of a livelihood and sustenance for a handful of beans. They were magic beans, Jack said. And you didn't believe me. And look! I tell you, who wants the sort of magic that grows giant, inedible plants in your garden? His mother said. I'll admit I didn't believe there was any magic in them beans at all. I was all set to boil them up for dinner before I realized they weren't even any good for eating. So I chucked them out of that there window and now look, a magic plant. She rolled her eyes. How about a magic money tree or some magic never-ending bread or a magic cow? How about that? How about a magic hen? Jack asked, a mischievous twinkle in his eye. Aye, I'm sure, his mother said. And what would she do? Lay magic eggs. As if on cue, the hen let out an almighty squawk and stood up on spindly legs to reveal a golden egg. How did you do that? Jack's mother said. Is it a trick? No, Jack said. I went to see what was up at the top of the beanstalk. You did what? she shrieked. What would I have done if you'd fallen and broken your neck? Well, I did go up there and I found her, Jack finished calmly. You found her up there, she said. What, just wandering around in the clouds? Basically, yes, Jack said. And she was just wandering around up there on her own. You're trying to tell me? Just you, the sky, and this one hen, his mother pushed on. There was only one hen, if that's what you're asking, Jack said. She didn't belong to no one. I don't want no angry farmers chasing me down, trying to claim back their magic hen now. Not a farmer, exactly, Jack said, choosing his words carefully. His mother tapped her foot and waited for him to tell her the whole truth. More like a... giant. A giant? His mother shrieked. You stole a magic hen from a giant? What possessed you, Jack? I tell you, it'll be you answering the door when he comes knocking. He won't, Jack said, sounding a little uncertain. I don't think he even saw me. He doesn't think, she repeated sarcastically. He can't be sure, but he doesn't think the giant saw him steal his property. Let's hope he's a vegetarian giant. Actually, he was quite specific about eating meat, Jack said. Had a whole song about it, in fact. Oh, we've got ourselves a carnivorous, musically talented giant, have we? That makes it all better. Calm down, ma'am, Jack said. 
He doesn't know who I am. No, of course not. The plant leading right down into our back garden won't give us away for sure, she said. Let's hope all his talents lie in music and none in his sense of direction. And what have I told you about telling me to calm down? Millie had started flicking through the fairy tale book to get her and Oscar out of there, but the rustling pages caught Jax's mother's attention and she advanced on them wielding a broom in one hand. You two in your funny clothes, she said. Did you put him up to this whole hen-stealing lark? No, Oscar said. We weren't even there, I promise. She regarded them with deep suspicion. He may be a soft-hearted lad, but he's not stupid. Stealing from a giant? Now, I don't believe he'd do that of his own accord. She looked as though she were about to give someone a thwop with her broom when there was a sound like all the air being sucked out of the room. Tilly and Oscar held their hands to their heads as their ears popped, as though they were on a plane taking off. Once they recovered, they realized in alarm that something very odd had happened to Jack and his mother. They looked like characters in a glitching video game, hovering and flickering as if they were barely present, although when Oscar went over to poke Jack, he could still feel the rough wool of his clothes. "'You've never seen this happen before, right?' Oscar said, sounding nervous." No, Tilly said. And then, all of a sudden, Jack went completely still before shattering into millions of tiny pieces like a glass vase that had been dropped on the floor. Tilly's face went white as she stepped over to look at where Jack had been standing. That wasn't there before, was it? She said, gingerly poking at a sticky black puddle on the floor with the toe of her boot. What is it? Oscar said, coming over. Melted book character? It looks like ink, Tilly said. You're right, Oscar said. Tilly got down on her knees to look more closely. Just as she stuck a finger out to touch it, though, the black liquid abruptly vanished as though it had been instantaneously absorbed by the stone floor. At that same moment, the cottage door banged open, and they all looked up to see Jack walking in, smiling, a hen under his arm. As he entered the cottage, his mother came back into focus, broom still in hand, and mid-sentence, angrily shouting at the spot where Tilly and Oscar had been standing. So if you two... She stopped, realizing she was talking to the air. She spun around confused. Ma'am, Jack said, you'll never guess what I have. What are you doing here, she said, suspiciously staring at Tilly and Oscar. Oh, hello, Jack said to them. Are you friends of my mother's? No, they're rascals who wandered in off the road while I had my back turned, trying to keep this place clean and tidy, she said, coming for them with the broom. Out, out, before I report you. Tilly and Oscar let themselves be swept from the room, relieved to get out of the cottage, but Jack followed them. I'm sorry, he said. Ma'am can be a bit... protective. That's one word for it, Oscar said under his breath. Well, we should be going now, Tilly said politely. Sorry to bother you. Now hang on, Jack said. Don't be dashing off so quickly. We only just met. What are your names? Are you from the village? I don't recognize you at all. Haven't we already done this, Oscar said? Done what, Jack asked. Nothing. He's just a bit, uh, jet-lagged, I think, Tilly covered. I'm Tilly, and he's Oscar. Jet-lagged, Jack repeated. We've just been traveling for a while, Oscar said, trying to get back on track, and we really do need to be getting home. Where's home for you, Jack said, incorrigibly friendly. 
I can walk with you. We're fine by ourselves, honestly, Tilly said. She went to take a step backward and felt the gravel of the road crunch under her shoes. Although, it's very nice of you to offer. Hang on, Jack said, coming closer. No, honestly, we're fine, she said, walking backward into the middle of the road. No, I just meant... He said, but at that moment, there was a whoosh of hooves and a horse flew around the corner, causing Tilly to jump to one side, falling to the ground as she did so. That you need to be careful of riders, Jack finished weakly, before rushing over to make sure she was okay. I'm fine, she said breathlessly, shocked but unhurt except for a grazed knee and a rip in her tights. It didn't hit me. The rider was pulling to a stop and backing the horse around. Hey there, miss. What are you doing in my way? The rider asked. He was absurdly handsome with a perfectly straight nose and chocolatey brown eyes. He wore layers of obviously expensive velvet clothes, and his hat was topped with an extravagantly large collection of feathers. I'm sorry, Tilly said, automatically apologizing. I didn't see you coming. You should look where you're going, Oscar said. It's not your way. Why, yes, the man said. All the roads in this kingdom belong to my father, the king, and will belong to me when I marry and inherit the crown. Okay, I can see how from that perspective, this is literally your way, Oscar muttered, but you should still look where you're going. But, young sir, I have more important things to think about, namely, love, the greatest quest of them all. I am in search of a fabled princess whose hand I had intend to win through my bravery and charm. He doffed his hat in an elaborate twirl. Prince Charming, at your service. But not really at your service, you understand. It's a symbolic thing. I'm a prince. I'm not going to actually help you with anything. Right then, Oscar said. Good luck with that. I seek the tower where the princess is imprisoned by a malevolent witch, he said. Have any of you heard of this mysterious and evil place where my love and her lustrous hair are confined? Oh, you're looking for a Rapunzel, Oscar said. The prince made his horse trot closer to Oscar and peered down at him. You know of her, boy, he asked. I haven't met her, Oscar said slowly, but I've, well, I've heard of her. You mean to say news of her beauty and kindness and peril have traveled far and wide, the prince said in alarm. I think the news has gotten out, yes, Oscar said, unable to resist teasing the oblivious prince. I actually think I read something about her. You have read proclamations of her ordeal, the prince said. I must away. There is no time to lose. I cannot risk another prince stealing her affections before I have had chance to prove myself and rescue her. You, he pointed at Oscar. You seem to know of her story. You shall come with me. Oh, uh, no thanks, Oscar said firmly. I don't really know anything useful, such as where she is. I also don't want to help you. And we really need to get home, Tilly said, taking a step back toward Jack. Young squire, you misunderstand me. Prince Charming said, reaching down and grabbing Oscar by the scruff of his neck, swinging him up onto his horse in front of him. You are my subject and I need your aid. You will attend me. Now hang on, Oscar said, trying to slide back down the horse, but Charming kept a strong arm wrapped around him and kicked his horse into a gallop. And before Tilly had quite realized what was going on, they had left in a cloud of dust. 
The end. I hope you enjoyed Good Night Moose, and I can't wait to relax with you again soon. Until then, rest well, have plenty of water, and don't forget to fill your cup of self-care.